again, dear listeners. This is Elizabeth at the LSC Tomball Community Library, back at you again with another episode of Party Chat, the Tomball Library gaming podcast. And I am here with another great member of our adult services team. Say hi. Hey, it's Lloyd again. We're here. We are here. So, Lloyd, what have you been up to since our last episode? What have you been playing? Okay, so we talked about Hades last time, and I got nothing done in Hades, unfortunately. Mm. My uh, my week's been pretty shot, but I did find a little bit of time to go back into a, uh, a classic RPG, which is uh, Skyrim. <laughs> so oh, boy. <laughs> I've thrown some mods on, and I've just started, like, three characters. I haven't haven't gotten very far, and... Yeah, that was like three hours of my day one day on Sunday, because I work Saturday, so. Oh, yeah, we both worked Saturday, actually, Uh, and we did some planning for this episode while (laughs) while working on Saturday. I have noticed you you brought up Skyrim, and that that made me think of something interesting, which is that during uh, these, these times in which we are living, I found people are going back to sort of big games that they've played in the past and sort of revisiting them. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's currently uh, revisiting The Witcher 3, which is one of my favorite games. It's an absolute classic. But I find that those big open world games can be uh, a really wonderful escape if you're finding yourself feeling a little stir-crazy or anxious. Yeah, Just yeah, be, be Geralt of Rivia for a few hours. Just run around the continent talking to... To beautiful women, seeing what dandelions up to—it's a—it's a great time. <laughs> this is this is how I travel. I go from uh, Riverwood to White Run, and you know that's my vacation travel because right now I can't travel anywhere in the real world. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Which um, I I did see a, a really funny tweet the other day. I've also been playing Hades, as you know, if you've listened to our most recent episode. And a lot of people have been trying to figure out, like, why is Hades so popular right now? Hmm. Because it's, it's been in beta for a really long time, early yeah, access, yeah. and it's gotten a full release recently. But somebody brought up a good point on Twitter, which is that, gee, I wonder why the video game about trying to escape an inescapable hellscape is so popular right now. It's <laughs> a good point, yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe it was very like... Very timely. And I, you know, because Among Us was something else that was out for a while, and then... It just went big, but no, this one this one hits a little bit more closer to home. Among Us was just popular streamers. This is like I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. you don't you don't want to relate to Zagreus, but you know, Supergiant has our number. They know what we're <laughs> dealing with, and they're giving us the content that we want. There you go. That's what I've been playing, and it's probably what I will be playing until I wring every last drop of content out of it, like blood from a stone. Got to catch up to your boyfriend. Got I do, but he's moved on now. He's been playing the new Yakuza game. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which is just beautifully dumb. I can't wait. Uh, I often hear it described as like uh, a fever dream come to life. Yeah, yeah. My boyfriend has been calling it Himbo Simulator. Okay. And that kind of seems to be more or less what's going on. <laughs> so that is that is on my to playlist. That is the next thing I'm going to get around once I'm done with Hades. Do you know what you're going to play next, Lloyd? I don't. Um, I'm actually looking forward to some card game releases. So uh, maybe if something comes out, well, I take the back. Cyberpunk should be out soon. Should please. Fingers crossed. Don't jinx this. In which case, that is what I'll probably be playing. So, um, but other than that, like a TCG, I'll be playing Digimon come. Uh, January or so. Good stuff. Yeah. 
Well, I'm always, as I'm sure many of you are, lining up the next thing I want to play after I'm playing what I'm currently playing. Um, but when I'm not doing that, I'm usually coming up with the list of things that I want to watch. I'm a huge movie buff, uh, which you would know if you watch any of my screenshots programs, which go up on our Facebook page, where I talk to you about movies that I love that you can watch for free with your library card. And the way that those episodes are usually set up, I'll do a deep dive into a genre, movies from a certain country, or a really fantastic director. And so today we're going to be doing a kind of an audio-only version of Screenshots <laughs> with some help from Lloyd. So yeah. today we're going to fall into the terrifying Venn diagram of both movies and video games in video game movies. <gasps> oh no. <laughs> yeah, so so tell me, tell me Lloyd, why did you gasp in fear when I said video game movies? I think I think a lot of us can uh, identify video game movies by how bad they are usually. Mm -hmm. And so that's usually why people gasp in fear because when they think video game movie, oftentimes it's of those horrible, horrible renditions of someone taking something like a fighting game and trying to add a story to it mm -hmm. that you know didn't have much of a story to begin with mm -hmm. um but other than that i i actually i'm not that i'm not that scared because there are some video game movies that are like these horrible um uh guilty pleasures mm -hmm. that i have watched multiple times and own so i can't i can't say that about all of them there are some that are near and dear to me still it's true and i think most of us if we're video game fans and we're movie fans have at least few a few movies that can kind of fall into that venn diagram overlap so Today on the podcast, we're going to be looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly, very, very ugly <laughs> of video game movies. So something we were talking about before we pressed record is what exactly is a video game movie? Because it's a more complicated question than you might think when you kind of get started into trying to figure out what this genre is all about. So what would you say is a video game movie, Lloyd? So for me, it's often a movie that has been... Um created and adapted from the source material of a video game um so you know some of the the original ones that i remember mortal kombat uh, you know fighting game that was on the snes and uh, in arcade cabinets and that got a, a movie made in the 90s and that was literally like okay we're going to adapt this uh but I, something that you brought up was like there are movies out there which are hard to parse and uh, some of the things, like you mentioned, was The Witcher. Mm -hmm. You know, like that series. Is that a video game adaptation or is it a book adaptation? Because it has multiple yeah, sources now. it does. Um, and there's a lot of examples like that of IPs that kind of dip into multiple different kinds of media. So it's a chicken and the egg kind of situation. Right, yeah. Uh, the Witcher is a, a beautiful baklava of different layers of what exactly it is. Um, but I, I think it's interesting to kind of find where things deviate from their source material. And I feel like video game movies are notorious for those deviations specifically. Mm. Um, so you mentioned things like Mortal Kombat or um, Dead or Alive had multiple movies, apparently. Oh, um, and so those are games that don't really have a baked in plot. But even with games that you think, oh, well, you know, this game has a robust story and an interesting world. It should be so easy to make that a compelling film. Maybe, but they deviate so much from the source material that it has very little in common right. with what the actual uh, game is about. And I, I think probably... Uh, and a topic that's been heavy on my mind recently is the upcoming Monster Hunter movie. Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> yeah, 
which Monster Hunter, you know, a game with a really interesting, rich world, not a whole lot of plot. Um, and so they kind of decided to transmute a plot for this film. And so far it's looking to be a, a, a lumbering homunculus of a plot. Yeah, it, I often think of the the rash of crazy animes that have come out, mm-hmm. like uh, all the isekai stories, and it's oh, like, yes. oh, okay, we're going to isekai Monster Hunter. That's, yeah, okay, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, another thing I've noticed, Mila Jovovich is a real repeat offender with these films. It's because her uh, husband is the director of a lot of really? them. Really? <laughs> as far as I'm aware, yeah, that's the case. The the I don't know if it's director or producer in a lot of them, the cases, but her husband uh, has done a lot of movies in the video game world, and she often stars in them. So, was it Underworld? Yeah, I think so. I think she did some of those, but um, like Resident Evil mm-hmm. and a lot of those ones. In fact, we could spend a few minutes Googling. and Yeah, so it's uh, Paul Anderson and film director, producer, and screenwriter. And regularly works in science fiction films and video game adaptations. And he's a Pisces. A la Wikipedia. Uh, does that affect anything? The, the Pisces? Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't trust Pisces, by and large. I had a bad experience with a Pisces. So, let's see. Resident Evil, Resident Evil, Mortal Kombat, which is interesting because I actually enjoyed that one. (laughs) And I do believe he is tied to the Monster Hunter one. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. Pre-production on Monster Hunter. So, hey, oftentimes you see... (laughs) A little bit of nepotism, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, that does answer my question. Um, (laughs) Although it does make me long for the alternate future where we could have had just Mila Jovovich continuing her singer-songwriter career. Because, fun fact of the day, she released a pretty good folk pop album in the 90s. Before she was in The Fifth Element. Okay. Yeah. Which, that is also a science fiction movie I enjoy. But it's not a video game movie. It is not. It's not a video game. My goodness, if they made one. I would play it. It would be delightful. Um, And, you know, that's actually a a good kind of example to segue. I feel like uh, The Fifth Element has something a lot of video game films are lacking, which is a coherent sense of style. Yes. (laughs) Um, Because you you take games like Mortal Kombat, for example, that have style and not much else, Mm -hmm. um, but then they can't even do the style right. Yeah. It's... I don't know, they, they try, and, and that's another thing, like video games evolve over time, so Mortal Kombat's uh, changed quite a bit. Um, but I I think they tried pretty well. They tried to capture what they could of it. I mean, it's it's a graphic video game. Like, the mm-hmm. style is, you know, what, it's going to be, uh, at least in the terms of the Mortal Kombat 2, which is what I started on, was a, a pixelated gore and blood. How mm-hmm. much of that can they show in a movie before mm-hmm. you hit that range where it's like everyone who I want to target, especially yeah. in the 90s, is what, teenagers, right? Yeah, so was the, the first Mortal Kombat film PG-13? Yes. Wow. I, it, was not, it was not anything too graphic. I think, um, I'm trying to think of like the most graphic scene in it. I think it was like maybe some spikes. Okay. But it was not anything crazy. Hold on, because now I want to check and see. I believe it was PG-13. I have found, uh, while working on scripting for screenshots, it is weirdly difficult to find MPAA ratings for films online. Why? I don't know. Why aren't those things there? I don't know. Because that seems like important information. 
but I guess if you are the kind of person who is deep digging into movies, yeah. the ratings aren't necessarily as important. So yeah, they 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 tried to keep it PG thirteen, which also removes a lot of the like um, the things that the game is known for, which is mm-hmm. like these graphic kills. Yeah, you know. So it's like okay, now you're so it devalued, I guess, a little bit of it. But in all honesty, the the whole movie was pretty much like it's a tournament. Let's let's have a fighting tournament yeah. for the world for control of the world and uh, the, they went with it as best they could but still it mm-hmm. was decent for them also it was the 90s I was a kid I liked it I was like that's a game I play yeah. you know so nostalgia for me was probably yeah which fun. I think is one reason why my personal favorite video game movies succeeded uh, which is the first Silent Hill movie mm. we don't talk about the second Silent Hill movie <laughs> the first one is just an absolute masterpiece of <laughs> meaningless aesthetics. <laughs> uh, Silent Hill is a franchise, which you've known if you've played any of it, that has a ton of really interesting story, weighty themes, a very complex world with its own kind of metaphysics and cosmology. And the first Silent Hill movie did what no one else was brave enough to do, which was, um, what if we just made this as gnarly as possible? And also made the main character a lady instead uh-huh. of the, the male main character of the gotcha. actual first Silent Hill game. And it's it's a wonderfully um, hot topic goth kind of movie. Yeah, I could see that. The themes, uh, especially around that time, were probably tied in a lot of what the people who were you know, going to see it, playing the game and wanted to see the movie were probably in that same vein of people. Like I was, I was going to Hot Topic and buying. Oh yeah, same buying a whole bunch of weird band tees. Of and course, which they, sidebar here, they don't carry anymore. Oh, no, yeah, see, I haven't been to Hot Topic in forever. I, it's not that I grew out of it, it's that they grew out of me. Yeah, Hot Topic <laughs> kind of moved moved past my particular oeuvre right. into stuff I'm not really into anymore. <laughs> but I feel like Silent Hill is a, a really great encapsulation of that sort of ethos yeah. of just edgy and gross... <laughs> But it's, it's incredibly fun, which is what I think is the real kind of make or break for whether a video game movie is irredeemable, mm. so bad that you can't even watch it, to fun enough that you might be willing to forgive some of its more questionable choices. Uh, Silent Hill really revels in the uh, sort of like occult cosmology of the Silent Hill universe. Which I think goes to, they adapted the first game, not the second game, which gets into more of like psychological horror and philosophical themes. No, the first Silent Hill movie, it is just, it is an occult horror movie and it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it doesn't have to. Right. Because the vibes are there. There are certain parts where you're like, if you just touch on those things and have fun with it, you can do really well. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is why I think when I say Mortal Kombat did well, it's because I see it talked about a lot in terms of like, this is a video game movie that you could watch and not hate yourself for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because it's like a kung fu flick. You just, the the plot may have some sort of element in it, it but it's mostly just you want to see some people do some cool kung fu, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not Ip Man. I know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But, but it is a fun little romp and it's like, I can spend an hour and 10 minutes or whatever the runtime is to play this. But, you also see like other movies try and do it really well. One of the the more recent ones um, that I think did 
extremely well was Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I have that on my list as well. See? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Detective Pikachu made me feel a kind of childlike joy mm. I have not felt as an adult person. Um, and I, I feel like there's a there's a lot of heated discussion in sort of the the movie nerd sphere of the internet about whether or not Detective Pikachu is good, mm. which I think is completely missing the point. It doesn't matter if Detective Pikachu is good. Detective Pikachu is fun. Yes. It's so fun. I walked out of it going, the story was not great. No. But I still enjoyed it. And that's, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, I am a picky person. If you talk about anything, like this was often, uh, we talked about this in the first episode with what we enjoy in terms of gaming, like plot, world building, all that. I still had fun with it. And I think Mm -hmm. it was because I was like, I'm going into this knowing it's a comedy. It may yeah. not be like, you know, something. It's not trying to be a masterpiece. It's trying to be a fun time. And it worked. It, it was worked. It was incredibly fun. Um, and I mean, most video game films are in some way or another trying to pander to the viewer. Mm-hmm. The intended viewer is, whether this succeeds or not, players of the game. And Detective Pikachu gave me what I've been wanting since I was five years old, which is... A, a relatively normal world where there are Pokemon. Right? <laughs> there are Pokemon and they beatbox and they mime. Oh my gosh. And one of them's your dad. Spoilers. Yes. Okay, yeah, that one. But I mean, it's been long enough. It's I been, think it's we're been good. long enough. It's Detective Pikachu. You should have okay? seen it. Okay, this by isn't now. the French New Wave here. Right. <laughs> but, and I, I think this goes back to what you were saying, like, Detective Pikachu has a great sense of what it is. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't aspire for for grandeur that it can't achieve, but it also doesn't dip so low into pandering and kind of lazy cash grabs that it feels cheap. Mm. It's in that real sweet spot that's really hard to do with video game movies where you can communicate a respect for the IP while also giving the viewers of the film what they want on kind of a primal level. Oh man, you just mentioned respect for the IP and I just thought of the the other video game movie which I enjoyed. Uh, I think a lot of people did, but I don't know if it did as well as it people had hoped, but that's the Sonic movie. I haven't seen it. Okay. So, I I'm going to tell you right now, um Jim Carrey is absolutely great in that movie. And with the change cuz this was a big topic. Do you remember this going crazy? I do. Yeah, the the design of mm-hmm. Sonic. They went back to the drawing board, I think, for like six months and redid his design throughout the whole movie. I'm going to say it saved it. Yeah. Because I actually was like, I will watch this now. Mm-hmm. And I, I did. And I was like, you know what? They set it up for a second. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I'll take a look. Because I grew up on Sonic. Obviously, nostalgia there. We talked about how they pander. I felt like this tried to... it. It didn't take on the world of Sonic specifically. Like mm-hmm. It starts off in Emerald Hill Zone or whatever, but it comes to the real world. He's a time traveler. Or a, spoilers, he's an alien or something that travels through the rings. Sure. Anyway, they, they changed some things, but they brought it to the real world and they made it fun. And um, I don't know. It just it worked really well, and I think they respected the IP to make it do that. Without mm-hmm. that respect, if they had gone through the first thing, that thing would have bombed like so many other movies mm-hmm. out there that we see. Mm-hmm. Which... I, I do find the the fact that they, they really listened to their audience to be so interesting. Because I feel like I don't know a single person who looked at the trailer we have for the Monster Hunter movie 
who played the game and is like, oh boy, can't wait. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the the people behind the Sonic film, they they heard the backlash and they fixed it. And they've, they've really gotten dividends in return because people have liked it. Because I took a, a kind of cursory glance at the video game movies on Rotten Tomatoes just to kind of see how they fare with critics. Mm-hmm. And the Sonic movie is the second highest rated video game movie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What's Wait, what's the first? You won't guess it. I'd like to hear you try, though. Mm, postal. No. Hit Good me. guess. No, the highest rated video game movie on Rotten Tomatoes is Angry Birds 2. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that makes sense. Does it? Yeah. It has so much appeal to a younger audience. It's mass appeal, too. Like, okay, one thing with um, uh, console games versus mobile games, right? Mm -hmm. Mobile games hit a much wider audience. So when you make something in the big screen that has hit that wider audience, you automatically get more people to, Mm -hmm. to jump in on the movie. So. You know, I, I can I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Which I, I do find the the idea of the Angry Birds two movie being good to be kind of an interesting exception to the rule. Because you've got a lot of games that have no plot at all, going back to our whipping boy Mortal Kombat, <laughs> where people try to reverse engineer a plot and it, it doesn't work. But you've also got movies with tons of plot. And video games that have tons of plot that they're based on, and those don't work either. Uh, but, you know, Angry Birds, it's it's clearly done well. It gave the people what they wanted. And, you know, that's it's really commendable, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. Because I, I saw that, and I was like, you've got to be kidding. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go see it because I'm not a fan of the franchise, and I mm-hmm. didn't think I, – I knew it was marketed more towards, you know, young children who played the game. Mm-hmm. At this point, I was not – gonna spend my time watching it unless I had a kid and I don't so you know that's that's my take on it but I can definitely see why it would do so well just because brand recognition it's a fun time for kids and you know the, the source material was what birds get flung through yeah. you know and, and knock down pigs and they're so angry they're angry they're so angry they're they? really mad yeah but yeah they could go anywhere with it so yeah so you know I I think this shows there there is hope for the video game movie, would you say? I, I think so. I think it really depends on uh, the company because as we're seeing with the Monster Hunter and um, you know a lot of the things that Mila Jovovich has been in, they don't always pan out really well. And I think it's just because people are trying to jump onto the bandwagon. And Capcom with Monster Hunter had a really big explosion with Monster Hunter mm-hmm. World, right? So um, how have you been playing through the series like through previous games or did you start so i have not played them myself okay but my boyfriend is a massive monster hunter fan right. so i've kind of absorbed it secondhand right that's that's understandable world sort of took off though like because before that monster hunter like if it's a fan like your boyfriend has been pretty niche like you you may enjoy the dark souls realm because it's similar style combat mm-hmm. you're dodging and weaving and you're learning an enemy's attacks but world just made it so much more accessible and it like everyone was on it bandwagon starts to take off capcom goes okay we make video games you know we're going to try and make some other material they made a an anime called monster hunter ride on which was like the monster hunter stories anime um and they're trying to branch out and sort of get that larger audience and so now a movie's coming out and i'm sitting here going do i feel like they actually want a good movie or do i feel like they just want to make money Mm -hmm. and i think 
that comes down to who's writing it because Star Wars is a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. With Star Wars, we saw. I don't know how you feel about them, but I did not enjoy the last three. Okay. But then we have the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Who's who's heading that? Filoni. And mm-hmm. what is he doing? He's actually someone who wants to see and, and work with the world and mm-hmm. make a well-told story. Yeah. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, video game movies are still movies. Yes. They still need to be made with quality filmmaking techniques. Mm-hmm. Which is a, an interesting example that I did not know existed. Um, so you hear about video game movies and you hear a lot about these kind of like English language video game movie adaptations. So the, the Uwe Boll realm, uh, things like Resident Evil, those kinds of films. But the video game movie is a, a robust genre in other places, namely Japan. Um, And I found out, actually, a director I really like, who is a Japanese director, has made several video game movies. Interesting. And they look pretty good. Okay. Are they animated? No. Okay. They're live action, but he's made live action uh, video game films of uh, the Yakuza games Uh. and also Ace Attorney. Okay. See, those those would be fun. Those would Mm -hmm. be super fun, I think, just because... Like you said, Yakuza is uh, is a crazy game in mm-hmm. general, and Ace Attorney is just a fun little romp. So I think this yeah. would be good live action, you know. Yeah. So I found those, and I I do I do want to watch them, but I think from what I know about the director, his name is Takashi Miike. He's kind of all over the place. He's a wacky guy. He likes bright colors. He likes crazy action sequences. And I think that these IPs kind of line up well with the things that he's interested in, mm. which is not some, that's not the kind of consideration I see in a lot of Western video game adaptations. Because, like you said, they're cash grabs so much of the time, which, you know, most movies are to some extent or another, but I feel like the, the cash grabbiness of video game movies is particularly blatant mm-hmm. <laughs> so much of the time. And, you know, you can't always catch lightning in a bottle like you do with Detective Pikachu, where it's just, it's a gold star concept. It works. Sometimes you, you have to, you're making a movie at the end of the day. It can't just be like, oh, look at this thing you recognize from video game. Please clap. <laughs> and I went to the movies and I clapped. <laughs> so you, at the end of the day, you still have to make a good movie. And I I'm holding out hope that the golden age of the video game movie is yet to come. I think I think there's going to be a world for it. But in all honesty, and this is something that we find with movies in general, is a movie is, if it goes long, you have a problem. Like, we look at the extended cuts of Lord of the Rings. Oh, jeez. You're going gonna to sit through that in one sitting? Yeah. You know? Or like um, the, the Snyder cut of the Justice League that is supposedly still forthcoming. That's going to be like four hours long. Right. And so does that do well as a movie? No, um, which is another thing. Uh, I feel like I feel this way about a lot of adaptations of existing IPs, which is you've got so much source material. Why not just make a TV show? Right, which is especially with the budgets, because in in terms of like you're spending the, that money on a movie budget, mm-hmm. you could divert that to a show. And granted, you'll lose a few things, but. We've seen so many shows do extremely well, uh, Game of Thrones before the last few seasons, because reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the budgets on those shows were movie-style budgets, yeah. and it's like they had the base to watch it. 
the the clout of the material and people were engaged in it and the mandalorian's another big one the only i have issues with that one too but <laughs> it's mostly because i'm like this is not enough episodes give me mm-hmm. more and I, I i would prefer that because then i could see more of that world building yeah. and i don't feel like i've wasted three minutes watching yeah there's there's always going to be a sweet spot you have to hit. Oftentimes, I find movies, even when you get into the two, three-hour running time, are not enough time to adequately explore a really intricate world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you end up padding out that runtime with things that don't need to be there. Right. But with TV shows, you can either use that time, that breathing space, to really get comfortable in a world, get to know a set of characters... Or you can let it just run way, way too long. Uh, you know, I think there's a good, a good middle ground between a show giving you as much as you need, but not giving you less than you need or way too much of what you thought you needed. Right. We don't necessarily need, like, nine seasons of Friends in the um, Sam and Max yeah. or whatever. Oh, what was it? Uh, Doom. Like, we don't need a, a nine-season Doom TV series. You no. Know? Like we, we can we can find a good story though. Like some of the things that were uh, massively popular um, that tried to do a few adaptations into into video were Mass Effect and you know a few other RPGs. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like the Witcher series that came out, uh, you know, regardless of what the source material is based mm-hmm. on, it has a video game attached to it now, and you pull those people in. That was still really well done. It mm-hmm. was a good good number in the second season. I can't wait for. Oh, I'm so excited. It's gonna be good. It's going to be so good. (laughs) It's going to be really good. But, uh, yeah, some of my my favorite TV adaptations of video games have actually been anime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I find that the the kind of structure that a typical anime season gives an IP, it it works really well. So I think that that is a shift we're likely to see more of Mm -hmm. in video game adaptations is maybe shifting away from film into TV, which I think is just a larger shift we're seeing kind of in, in... uh, moving picture media. Yeah. We are in the, I think it's technically the platinum age of TV. The golden age has already passed. Okay. So I think that, you know, if there's going to be a future where video game movies can frolic in the sun, I think it's probably going to be on TV or streaming since TV is dead, basically. Streaming. Although streaming is becoming the new TV. So it's yeah, like, you know. Nothing gold can stay. Right? Yeah. But the, that's, that's a big thing that we're seeing is, like you said, uh, Netflix adaptations, uh, Amazon originals, you mm-hmm. know, like they're they're dipping their hand in the the video market and well, sometimes it works, uh, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I've seen more times it doesn't. So we're going to we're going to work through that chaff, but it'll it'll come out in the end, right? Yeah. It'll come out okay. I mean, Hopefully. you know, uh, to further a medium, you got to experiment. Not every experiment pans out. Right. But hopefully you know, the the reputation of the video game adaptation will not remain so sullied forever. You just got to find someone who cares about that material. And yeah, I think, just, I think that's just possible. make good movies. Yes. Please, just, that's please. all I'm asking. Just <laughs> make good movies. You, if you had my money with the crummy thing, imagine my money with yeah. like two or three, like a trilogy of a good thing. I would give you so much, my, so much of my money. <laughs> I don't have a lot of it, but I'd give you so much of it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think we have thoroughly vivisected the video game movie, Lloyd. Absolutely. I think, well, 
Uh, hopefully it uh, is not going to lie motionless and dead. Hopefully we see that mm-hmm. the revitalization of them in, in good ways. And I think we're, yeah. we're going to get there. So I think so as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on another wild episode of Party Chat. Don't forget to follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast so that you never miss a future episode. And, you know, we've got a lot of other great stuff that we're working on here at the library that if you love this show, you're going to love that too. So be sure you stick around to the end and hear about the other great things that we're doing. Tell the nice people bye, Lloyd. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a good one. Have you reached the end of your Netflix queue? All caught up on Hulu and Amazon Prime? Then tune into Screenshots, a series from the Tomball Library where I recommend you great movies that you can watch for free with your library card. Tune into Screenshots on our Facebook page every second and fourth Thursday of the month at 4 p.m. See you then! Are you looking to play some games, socialize with others, and make new friends? Come join us on the Tomball Library Discord channel for Jackbox Fridays, every Friday at 3 p.m. Check the show notes for details.